1958, I was incredibly blessed with a little sister. Eight days later, a tornado took the roof of our house, and had she been in her crib, she would not be with us today to preach the word. She married a traveling evangelist at the age of 17 and has ministered to people of all ages ever since and travel all over the world and heads up a ministry that she founded called Moms Against Hunger, which raises funds and food sources for people in needy areas of the world. So without any further ado, also delighted to have her daughter, my niece, Angela, with us. Here's my sister, Gayla Joyce Holly. Oh, what an exciting weekend we've had, amen? And it's always a, such a joy to be with my big brother, my oldest brother. He and I talk all the time. And I lean on him constantly. And you are so blessed to have him. He is a genuine Christian and a true pastor. And I am so, I look up to him so much. He is an incredible blessing in my own life. And he went through that tornado too. He was about 18 months old, I guess, held in our parents' arms, and they had him and me and their bodies wrapped around us next to a closet door, kneeling down, and my dad was praying, and we probably were screaming, but the whole roof came off of our house and destroyed it except for the wall where we were kneeling. God is good. But I've been having tornadoes ever since. So... Anyway, he's always been a wonderful support to me personally as my brother and my family member. And I want to say a big thank you to Generations Church for being a partner with Moms Against Hunger. Together, you and I are touching nations and changing lives. You may say, well, all I'm doing is just giving. Your gift gets to the need and is changing lives on the ground. You may never see the end result of that till you get to heaven, but I promise you, you will see the result of that. We give the Lord praise. We give the Lord praise. We had uh, my phone downloads reports all the time from different countries. And while I was here, two countries downloaded pictures from recent feeding. Would you like to see them just to show you briefly what is happening? This is in Pakistan. And in Pakistan, you see the children are sitting on a rug. We've been purchasing rugs a little at a time. And thank you that I've got enough for eight now. Thank you, Lord. And this particular place this is a dust kiln brick yard where the bricks are made by hand these children are slaves they are orphans the muslim owners of these brickyards buys the orphan children of christians that are dead as their slaves they are theirs for life this is this is reality for these people when we first started feeding him, we were just feeding him on the dirt, and I was able to get some rugs. Now, the interesting thing about that, look at their little eyes. They're so beautiful, such beautiful people, is I wanted to do something to make them feel loved, to make them feel ordered, to make them feel like they were cared for, give them some semblance of a, of a mother's heart. And so we decided we were going to buy these rugs. Well, the rugs that we needed to get were prayer rugs in Pakistan. And the secret behind this is when we're feeding the children, we're also ministering the gospel to them. We're encouraging them. We're uplifting them. We're strengthening them. They're taking prayer requests from their little lives. These children are saved. They know the Lord. And we're actually having church while they're eating. And so we... It was a twofold purpose to get rugs. First of all, we wanted the kids to have this sense of home feeling. The second thing was when the owners would come in and see all the children eating, I didn't want them to get suspicious that, what are you teaching those kids? What are you doing in here? I didn't want them to have that. So we decided we would go ahead and get prayer rugs and set the kids on the rugs. And so the busy master would come through and just see the prayer rug and just keep right on moving. So <laughs> we are incognito under the radar, in the name of Jesus, may they never discover what we're doing. May we raise these children to know the Lord and be strong in their faith entire, their entire lives. Amen? Amen. So there's a purpose for that. You, Granberry, several of you here in this house have said, I want to be a part of that. 
and the children are sitting on your rugs. Your rugs. So pray for them. See? There they are. This is India right here. In India, we started a feeding program in the most derelict areas. That's their houses. That's where they live. Together, you and I are offering the power of the Holy Spirit and change and hope through a meal. This food is blessed. We pray for it, the miracle of loaves and fish over it every meal, and that every child and every person that eats it will be saved. Now, if we take communion all the time for a blessing of the Lord, cannot we serve meals in the blessing of the Lord? And they will be healed. They'll be set free. They'll be delivered from demonic strongholds, and they're going to be saved. Every person who eats our food is prayed that over them. It also is true for clothing and shoes. When we ship a load of that, all those clothes that are packed, we prayed. Every person who wears this garment is going to be saved. Every kid who wears these shoes is going to be saved. I don't know where those trails of prayers go till I get to heaven, but I guarantee you those children are going to be saved. Those people wearing those clothing will be saved. Why? Because we put a blessing on it. Amen? Go ahead. Is there any more? Yeah, this is the little back of the truck. We bought those pots and pans. It's full of food. He's ready to go out. This little child is sideways. No shoes on her feet. Doesn't own any shoes. Here we are feeding. They're sitting in the dirt, but it's all I can do at the moment. Look at this darling child. Isn't he precious? I don't think he's wearing any pants. This is a hat that says Moms Against Hunger that he made so he would have some semblance of connection with us. I got to get that guy a hat. Look at this. Can you imagine living like that? Here they are. I don't know why that child is bald. I have to find out. They are thrilled beyond words to have food. They eat with their hands. You're part of that. Jesus said in his word, as you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. And when we get to heaven, we are going to be asked a series of questions in Matthew 25. We are. It's not what church you go to, what denomination, none of that. We are going to be asked a certain set of questions. It was one of those questions is when I was hungry, did you feed me? When I was thirsty, did you give me a drink? Did you give me a drink? When I was naked, did you clothe me? When I was sick, did you visit me? When I was in prison, did you come to me? Those five questions we are going to be asked. Granberry, you can say, yes, Lord, I did. I did. Amen. If you'd like to be a partner with moms and you're new to this process of being a missions director, I'm so glad you're having a missions a seminar next week, absolutely you can reach the world from where you are. Absolutely. I encourage every single one of you, go to that. Be a part of that. And Moms Against Hunger, we have a new a program. I just want to share it with you as my partner that you can uh, connect with us right through your phone now. You just text this. Take a picture with your camera if you want to. Just text right there and you can get started. You can be a $10 a month partner with us. And if I can just get every parent every mom in America to give $10 a month. Do you know what we could do with that? How many people, how many millions are there in America? 120 million, 320. What is that times $10? Jesus help us. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Amen. Thank you so much. And this, my friends, is my first offering of neckties. See this? A lady brought neckties this morning. Or actually, a husband did, brought neckties today. I need neckties. I need offering of this. I'll tell you why. While I was here preaching the series, the Lord gave me a brand new series about the life of Joseph. I need a coat of many colors. <laughs> I need one to preach the sermon. And those, the women that were a part of this, understand what this is all about, how powerful that would be. And so I'm asking for all the brothers, please go through your closet. Not the good ties that you really like, but the, all the ugly ones. Would you make a donation and give them so that we can make a coat of many colors and I can use it to preach around the world? Amen. I know y'all got ties you don't wear. I know. My daughter, who's here with me this week, and I'm so thankful she is, says, hmm, I think my husband's got about 30 ties. We can make a donation of that. I'm probably going to need maybe close to 500, so I need a bunch. So, Granberry, would you help me with this? 
sweetheart in your church, Juana, is she in the service? Yes. When we talked about this, she, the Lord downloaded to her all night how to make it. She came to me the next morning so excited. I know how to make that thing. We can do this and this. And we'd start drawing and dreaming together. And so anyway, she has graciously accepted to help me do this. So brothers and sisters, your necktie offering needs to go to Juana so she can help me get this built. Amen. Thank you. I know that the Lord can provide that, and we're going to have it, and you're going to have a part in that sermon everywhere I preach it. So if you've got a necktie, you want it in on a sermon, here's the time to make it happen. Amen. Praise God. It's been a wonderful seminar, wonderful conference here. We've really just went in depth into the word of the Lord and what he was trying to do in our lives. And I have one more step I want to teach you. To all the brothers in the house that were not part of the seminar, I'm sure it's going to be online or something. You may want to grasp it if you've had trouble in your own faith life and your own walk from time to time. But the first level of peace is ordained peace. God has ordained peace for you. But between the fulfillment and the birth of that is a very long way. The next stage is wilderness peace. And that's a whole big deal. The third one is manifested peace when it actually appears. But the one I want to talk to you about today is called warring peace. Not war and peace. No, warring peace. This is an incredibly important facet of your development as a Christian mature believer in the gospel. You see, God wants to move us level to level. We move from a child of God to a son of God to a warrior of God. We will rule and reign with him someday. We need to be prepared, amen? Life is all about preparation and preparing us and training us for that place that is yet to come beyond the veil for us. So we are in the battle. Just this week in America, you know, we're getting little bits and pieces and very small slivers of reality of actually what's happening in our nation, but we had several very disturbing attacks this week in our nation. Very disturbing. It seems to be increasing, doesn't it? Whether or not we're told about it, God knows it's happening. And is he not trying to prepare us? If we are living in the very last days and the very end of all things to happen and it's the culmination is about to take place, should we not be more than ever prepared and vigilant and ready and alert and established? I read a story one time of a pastor's wife, not a story, but actual her, her life. And it was a pastor's wife in Romania. In the, in the Romanian regime of Caucasus, in the beginning, the pastors came out strong against things that were happening in their nation that were godless. She and her husband went into persecution, and so did their church. During that horrible reign in their life, they both went to prison. When that happened... Do, do, let me back up. Do you guys just want me to be real? Or do you want me to play a game? You want me to just tell you like it is? Okay, I'm going to. When persecution began, she and her husband both went to prison. Guess what happened to their church? It was scattered. It fell apart. Lost the buildings. Lost Sunday school. Lost everything. Everybody just dissipated. Most people walked away from their faith. Because they were unafraid. I mean, they were afraid to stand up. They didn't want to go to prison. They don't want to lose their house, their cars, their kids. Sometimes in different nations of the world, the price is heavy to be paid. Sometimes you must choose between war and peace. Well, if I don't say anything, I'll just have peace. Let's just keep peace. Other times we are called upon to be warring peace and stand in the place of righteousness. If we don't speak up, who will? The only thing that helps evil to progress is for good men to say nothing. So there are times when we are called upon to stand, stand in the gap and make up the what? Hedge. Stand in that gap. We're called upon to do it. You know, we, not, we talk about spiritual warfare at times, and we often think that's a sword. 
Now, in a sword fight, you see the opponent, and you take a certain stance. It's almost like a dance. We're just deflecting, deflecting, deflecting. But spiritual warfare is not a sword fight. We are given a sword of what? The spirit, right? That we are to use. But it's not a sword that's coming back at us. It is a fiery dart. It's an arrow. Now, an archer, when he pulls back that bow, and he's got a target, and he takes aim on that target, that arrow, once it's launched, is going to go over space and time and hit the mark if he's any good at all. That mark may not know it's coming. If you're a believer, you have a big target right in the middle of your head. The battle we face here in America is mental, for the most part, yet, at the moment. It's mental. That's where your fight is. Fiery darts hit you all the time in the head in the form of thoughts, in the form of attitudes, in the form of emotions that get kicked in, in the form of words that come out of our own mouth. That attack is not something you can necessarily say, okay, well, I'm just, you know, just going to avoid that. No, sometimes that archer is pulling that bow up and it's shooting and it comes down right out of the sky. You don't even see the volley of arrows that's headed your way until it hits. And then you wake up and say, well, where did that come from? I didn't see that coming. Why? It was a fiery dart. A fiery one. The cruel assault can batter us. The enemy can cause us to forget God's promises in the heat of the fight. Can cause us to say, where are you, God? How did you let this happen? I mean, a sudden accident? Are you kidding me? A sudden loss, an unexpected death? I thought you loved me. I thought it was you that I adored, and if I adored you, nothing bad would ever happen to me. If I gave my life to you and I'm totally surrendered to you, you are going to cause me to walk in blessing. I'm not blessed. I feel like I'm under a curse. And God takes a step back. You really feel like that? Don't you remember what I said? I prepared you already. I already told you. Don't you remember? Why did you lay your shield of faith down? Where's your sword I gave you? You know, the Roman army, they had a technique they often used. If you can all hear tramping feet in your mind, By the thousands, feet marched like this. Can you hear it? They had, a, they had a, a shield in their arms. And they would put that shield row by row in the regiments. The ones that were in the front, the shield went this way. Those on the edge, the shield went this way and this way. Those in the middle had the shield above them, and the rear guard had it behind them. They moved like one massive-looking turtle shell. That makes sense? A turtle shell completely covered. Nobody could get through. No fiery dart could get through to them. Nothing could stop them once those tramping feet started and those shields were in place. It was the way they went into battle. On the other hand, Christians are such individualistic people. We don't often put our shield up for ourselves, never mind the next person next to us. We don't shield them at all. The day will come, my brother and sister, when we will unite together shield to shield and we put up a barrier that protects all of us together because together we are stronger than we are as independent individuals we're too busy trying to protect ourselves i mean my my kids my husband my wife i got to take care of my family we can't worry about everybody else i mean that's your fight no to every believer it's our We are stronger when we stand together, when we encourage one another, when we pray for one another. But the tendency is often, in the place in which we live mentally, is to judge one another. Thus it divides us. Oh, how Satan knows how to use that tool. Judgment divides us. 
Forgiveness unites us. So we face these archers, archers of slander, archers of envy, archers of temptation. You know, there's a force in the earth. It's called the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It stands for NATO. I've been in a country where NATO was in full operation, keeping the peace. Now, these guys are very intimidating. Let me tell you, very intimidating. They're in full body garb, full protection. They have face masks on. You can't see their faces. They could be from the Netherlands. They can be from Germany. They're from different nations. They all work together in this treaty. And a certain place I was at one time, we were trying to get food to the people. People were starving. And one of our wonderful organizations who will remain nameless, who's great at raising money and but does very little on the ground itself, was there. Had 100-pound bags of rice given to NATO to distribute. Marvelous. Wow, that's a great idea. Except NATO could care less about that. So you have people standing in line. The line that I was working was probably four miles long, body to body, pressed like this, waiting in line. You got out of line to go to the bathroom? You're done. Go back to the end of the line. They policed it with guns. NATO did. When you finally got to the front of the line, oh, but that doesn't mean they're giving bottles of water. You get nothing. Your kid has to go to the bathroom, too bad. You stand right there. No men were allowed in the line because they would get into competition and fight with one another. So no men, only women. When they finally would get to the front of the line, they could stand in line eight, ten hours, exhausted, pressed body to body. They get to the front of the line, and NATO was ready, shoving them as quickly as they could, pushing them. Here, move, go, quick. Big guys, little skinny women. They would shove a hundred-pound bag of rice with a nice red cross on it and say, take it and get out. Now, the woman, <laughs> she might weigh 115 pounds, skinny. She couldn't carry that hundred-pound bag of rice. That's not possible. All she was doing was getting in his way of progress. I saw this happen over and over until finally the women started saying, well, maybe I should cut it in half. You want it in half? Cut, slice it. Right, grain is pouring all over the ground. They're pushing these women. It's very chaotic. The women are screaming and crying and very upset and very scared of these people. Till I just got bold enough. I got tired of watching it. Now I'm going through there. Here's a wet wipe. Here's a diaper, you know, serving them as they're waiting. And I walked up to one of those guys. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just make you so bold. You don't even think what you're doing. You just do it. Happened one time I stopped a parade because I was so irate with what was happening in the parade. Then I decided maybe I shouldn't go to parades anymore. Yeah, that was a big deal. I go up to the NATO guy and I said, sir, he's like six foot eight. What do you want? Speak perfect English. I said, how do you think she's supposed to carry that 100-pound bag of rice? Not my problem, woman. Get out of the way. Well, I just was bold enough and stupid enough to say one more thing. I said, you're supposed to be helping them, not hurting them. He said, you're a humanitarian. I'm not. I'm keeping the peace. Get out. Now, he was right, but I was right. But he didn't care, and I did. When we serve the Lord, we belong to special forces. That if we are not careful, we forget the main point. What our calling is supposed to be, who we're supposed to be ministering to, what we're actually supposed to be doing in the earth. It is not just about me, mine, and ours. It's about us as one unit. You're all generations, church. You're all in the ministry. We're all called to walk together. We're all members of the same special forces.
But we often get irritated because things and people get in our way. I don't want to serve the nursery. Who wants to take care of them brats? That ain't my calling. I asked a lady one time, would you help me clean the church? This is when I was pastoring. I really need some help. She's like, well, I'm going to have to pray about that. I don't know if God's called me to do that. I wanted to slap her silly. She didn't understand she's part, she's part of the body, that we all are supposed to work together in unity and harmony. She forgot she was a member of NATO. Let me ask you some questions. You know, we've been studying Joseph in depth. There's several other levels and stuff, but I don't have the time to deal with those. But when Joseph reached manifested peace, did he stop? Or was he now responsible for a massive land, a massive population? He had to put everything he knew into use, right? Into practice. In this placement of the membership of the body of Christ, of which each one of us are, we are all needed. We are all depended upon. We all have a calling from God to work together But at times, there are certain things that happen to us along the way that cause gaps in our congealed shields. What arrow pierced you that made you quit believing God's promises were for you? What arrow got through that stopped you from reaching out to help again? Did the words come to your mind, never again will I volunteer for that? Did you have this pierced point that come through the shields that hit you so hard, that smote you in your heart, that you backed up and said, oh, no, 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 I can't get involved. I'll go to church, but don't ask me to do nothing. At what point did we separate ourselves from the body? Number two, what are the names of the armies in your heart? The tramping feet that come around in your head every time you want to step out and trust God or help a neighbor. Oh, I can't, maybe I shouldn't get involved because, you know, who knows where that's going to lead. It's going to be a big hassle and they're going to be a problem and psh, I just better not get involved. Just look the other way. What was the name of that army that somehow slipped through your armor? Was it doubt? How did doubt get in? Was it insecurity? How did it get in between? And the third. Why do the ideals and the words of people matter so much to you? That you cannot join arms and stand firm even when we disagree. I'm talking about moving to a place of war and peace where we're big enough, bold enough, bad enough, strong enough, mature enough to say I'll go to war for you. Amy said today I'll die for you, Shake. I heard her say it. That's belief. Our Lord said, greater love than no man hath this than to lay down your life for a friend. Will we die for each other? Uh, I don't think I'll die for my husband. My little bratty kids, they're going to get what's deserved to them when they grow up and they become parents. Where did that fiery dart get in? to start dividing us, dividing our thoughts, dividing us soul and spirit, dividing us emotionally. How how did that happen to us? Where was I when I stopped believing God's promise for me? What, What happened that caused that? Warring peace is the maturation of the soldier of the cross. Fast forward from the dispensations of the law. Come over here with me to the dispensation of grace. 
after the cross. Go with me into a private place alone with Jesus. Who knows what's about to happen to his disciples? Who loved them? And said, I'll serve you. The master is not greater, and you, the servant, are not greater. You're all going to serve each other. And took them place to place, teaching them all along the way. Oh, they loved it. They enjoyed the communion time. Communion turns into commitment as long as we listen. But commitment must turn into commission at some point. The song we sang this morning, pushing back the darkness, lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. When we sing those words, what's happening inside our heads? We're thinking about next week's grocery list. Thinking about what's going to happen at work. Oh, no, I'm pushing back the darkness for my kids, my family, me, myself, and I group. Or do we think? I'm thinking in my head, I'm pushing back the darkness in Pakistan. I'm seeing those kids in my head sitting on that rug. I'm seeing those Muslims come around, snipping around. What are you doing in here? Who is moms? I'm pushing the darkness back. When your life changes, and no longer are we just in the beginning phase of the lordship of Jesus in our life, and we have come to the place where we've moved from the cherishing moments into the commission moments, then suddenly our worship will have purpose. And suddenly we will understand, I am called to do something specific in the earth, and I'm going to pour out all my resource, all my time, all my love, because he first loved me, and now I am his arms and legs in the earth. One time I was in a place, and I needed to pray for something special, and I felt the Lord stand right next to me and say, stretch out your hand. And when I stretched out my hand to say, Jesus, would you heal this? I tried to describe this. I have my hand like this. And Jesus was here. And suddenly I felt Jesus come, push right up against me and put his hand in mine and say, I heal such and such. And then I realized it's not about me serving him. It's about him in me and my body being used as service. Does that make sense to understand that the calling that's on you, the great commission that's been given to you is not just a suggestion. It's not just a great idea. It's not just this point of a worship before the Lord. Worship moves to war. When tough stuff does happen, can you handle it or will it handle you? Jesus pulls his disciples together. Come on, guys, I got to tell you something. Really need you to listen now. Are we going to sing? No, we're not going to sing. We're going to take communion? No. Shh, listen, listen, I have to tell you this. John 16, 4. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you will remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But, Lord, you're always going to be with us. What are you talking about? I mean, next week we're going down to Jericho, right? No. You're not listening. You're not listening. Listen to me. John 16, 32. Behold, the hour comes and now is that you shall be scattered, every man to his own. Are you listening, Peter? Shh, John, listen. Every man shall be scattered to his own and shall leave me alone. (gasps) What are you saying, Jesus? Shh, be still and listen. I have deadly news to tell you. I have somewhat to say to thee. Satan desires to sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed for you. Words over their heads could not have grasped what was about to happen. And Jesus says amazing words. He says, you shall be scattered every man to his own and shall leave me alone. Yet I am not alone. He stands up and says, for the Father is with me. Jesus prepared himself for what was about to happen. Not just was he trying to tell the disciples what was about to happen, but he also had become locked in the Father's arms for the position of pain that was about to take place, for the passion that was about to be poured out. He had already locked himself into that position. He knew what was going to take place. And the great and mighty secret to us today is this. How do we stay poised? How do we stay blessed? How do we stay calm and at peace when all hell's breaking out against us? Do what Jesus did. Go separate yourself into a place of prayer and pour it out until you are calmed again. How many times did Jesus go pray? We only know what he did the last time he prayed. That's the only time we know exactly what happened when he cried out. He prayed so hard, he broke blood vessels. Verse 33, Peter, James, John, listen, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Are you hearing me? America, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Wait a minute. That was before the cross. How could he say he had already overcome it? Because he did mentally already overcome it. He had already faced it. He already knew his destiny. He already knew what was planned. Jesus loved and warned in the same instant. Jesus loves and warns us in the same instant. We love the love part. We don't like the warning part. Before his passion started, he had already overcome the world. It's behind me. It's already done. The day that we go face the mountain, the greatest mountain of our life, and realize and already accept the fact that we have already overcome it, We have moved past the present tense into the future tense. Our whole mindset will change as we are prepared then to go through it because our eye is on the final goal. That day you will sit with me in the kingdom. I go to prepare you a place that where I am, you over there will be also. He already went there in his mind. Because he understood war and peace. Take heart. I've overcome the world. In me, you will have peace. The world, you're going to have tribulation. He left instructions. And when you boil it all down, it's this. You will move from the courtship courtship of God. You will move from courting him and him courting you. You will move from that position of loveship time together to the commission of God where he gives you something to do. We we want to stay in the place of comfort. We want to stay in the circle of his arms. But God has a work for us to do. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said to you, peace I leave with you. Now, wait a minute. You're telling us you're going to be crucified, you're going to die, and and this is like foreign language to us. What do you mean? This is not making me peaceful. This is not helping me calm down. This is stressing me out. No, listen to me. I'm taking you to a higher level. Things are about to fall apart in your world. You're about to all be scattered. Things are about to come down strong. But remember, 
I have loved you, and you are to love each other. You have to bond together as one unit. Peace. I leave with you. There's no greater peace than having a brother or sister speak peace over you, to pray over you, to join the arms with you and say, I'm standing with you, not by yourself. I have a bishop's wife right now while I'm speaking in Hawaii. She and her husband went for their 43rd wedding anniversary from Seattle to Hawaii. Long trip. In the middle of the ocean, her husband has a stroke and a heart attack. She is alone. She is devastated. She is scared to death. Can't even get word to any of us. While I've been here, they finally made it to Hawaii. He's been lifelighted off of the ship onto the only hospital on the Kauai Island, something like that. There's no cardiologist there. Finally, she's been able to communicate. We've sent tons of messages. She didn't get any of them until she got off the, off the boat. She got there. For some reason, they didn't have the right package. She gets all this download, message, message, message. She sends two words back. Please, God. That's all she could manage. Please, God. What did we do? We prayed harder. We stood stronger. More and more people are praying. More and more churches are joining in praying for this man of God. Because of her two-word plea. Please, God. What if she didn't have all of us? What if word never did get back to us? How tough would it have been for that saint of the Lord? If all you can manage in your fight is please God, say it to somebody so that person can pray for you, can hold you up. Please, God. Jesus already prayed for us. He said he did. We have an account of that word, which I won't go into, but you can find it in John. He already prayed for us. And he prayed for his disciples saying, I pray for them and for those who will believe on their word that they will believe. That's me. That's you. Go back in time to Joseph, who is a type of Jesus. Joseph is busy managing the kingdom now, busy working in the vineyard, taking care of feeding millions of people and, and the process and the mechanics of all that logistics that have to happen every single day. He's busy. And a brother shows up and says, help me. He could have turned his back. He should have said, get out. He recognized them, but he didn't. Because he recognized his calling and his commission from God and the purpose for, by which he was even in Egypt. Do we know the purpose by which we are even in the earth? Have we been called to do something specific that's still a buried dream? Still a part of us? The arrows that fly at you and by you have already been anticipated by the Lord. <laughs> he has prepared you. He has seasoned you. He has trained you and matured you. For most part, we've only used that training for us, us, me. There's a greater day coming when we will use that training for each other. When we will watch each other's back, we will guard each other. We will not fall apart. Will you fall apart if pressure should come? I prophetically say to you, you don't have to. You can stay strong. When the Lord comes, will he find faith on earth? That statement's a big one. <laughs> and saying, please, God, help me have faith. Help us stand together. We move from ordained peace to wilderness peace to manifested peace to warring peace. The grown-up peace. The matured peace. The seasoned, scarred peace. Who no longer lives life by fears and insecurities, but by love and wisdom. You can belong to the army of God who lives and breathes and has their being in Jesus Christ. You can belong to the force they already have, force. 
has already looked ahead and conquered it mentally, physically, financially, and spiritually. Already been there, done that. I'll stand in the gap for you. I'll pray for you consistently. I'll cover you in prayer while you go. There will be those who don't live life by defensive moves, but rather by the aggressive moves of the Holy Spirit anticipating the answers to their prayers. You will become a deadly weapon in prayer. You will become flexible but resolute. You will have subtle peace but be fully alert. You will be courageous but kind, experienced but trusting, willing to sacrifice at all, knowing he is our supplier. You will be quiet outwardly but spiritually a roaring lion inside. You shall overcome every fiery dart. I speak it over you. You will stand with your shields united together. Nothing shall divide you. Your level of peace will develop. I just want you to watch one more thing. Look with me back in time, way back there, at Abraham's faith to believe God before he had a son. He was told, you're going to be the father of millions. The father of faith. Abraham's faith. Joseph's faithfulness. Daniel's courage. Ruth's obedience. Moses' boldness. Esther's strength. This cloud of people, clouds of them all around us. They've lived life in faith before us. Could they be standing somewhere in the threshold of eternity watching us now? Looking past Jesus who already gave the victory into this present day victorious alliance of spiritual forces. Looking at us. Oh, we're not watching them. We're busy paying the bills. We're busy running our own race. But they whose race is run, who have already overcome, could they be watching us? In fact, depending on us to not drop the torch, to not lose the victory, to reap the harvest, all the sheaves that are waiting. Could the whole creation groan, sun, moon, and stars, groan waiting? for the revealment of the sons of God. Are we living in the pivotal point of which all things change? We live in the time frame of yesterday. We see yesterday. We see today. And we know tomorrow we've got to go to work. We live in the time frame of I'm so old I've lived this many years. I don't know how many more I've got, but I have lived this many. We live in a very small window of time trying to grapple with the forces that are going on around us that are way bigger than we are, <laughs> have way more ramifications than our single life can possibly affect. Yet this cloud sees we have salvation already been given sees we have the blood of Jesus already been shed sees we have the promises of God already been revealed sees all the promises of God that we were told about and didn't get to enjoy see us over here living in the promised land of fulfillment. We understand redemption. They did not. We understand sin. 
in eternity, they did not. We have the completed word of God, Old and New Testament, they did not. We live on the other side of grace, they did not. Are we not called upon to be the warring faction in the earth? Are we not living in the generation that all things may come to to complete head? What would Moses say to us? Who was the lawgiver? Who spent entire years leading a people who were rebellious and all they wanted to do was eat onions. I'm tired of this. God, you gave me a people. I mean, just go ahead and kill me. We live after the law in the completed form of salvation revealed fully. And we don't use our sword. Can't yet understand how to use that shield. Jake, would you help me? I want you to help me today. I want to show you something that's so important and so much bigger than our individual lives. That is the corporate grace that's on you together. Christian corporate work that's dependent on us now. If Abraham and Moses and Daniel and Ezekiel and Isaiah and all those guys over here are waiting on us, what are we supposed to do? I need your help today. I need a cloud of people to stand. Let's see. Stand from that point of eternity right there where the doorway is. That's going to be eternity pre-time. Am I going way too much? That's pre-time. That's before the world began. Where Jesus was before the worlds were formed. Amen? Pre-time post-time over here. I, I, I need some people to help me that would stand shoulder to shoulder, link arms from that pre-time to post-time. Would you help me? I need your help. with another not hold hands link arms it's stronger elbow to elbow than it is hand to hand I need a few more people right here all the way to post time something in unity if you're against the wall of course you can't move but the rest of you that can take a step when I say three everybody take one step forward okay one two three as one now I want you to unlock arms and turn around and lock arms again think what it would be if God had all of us to move in unity when he said move and we all moved. Oh my God. Help us to get there, Lord. When he's all said pray, we all raised our hands and prayed. As one mighty tool, one weapon in his hands. How powerful it would be against the fiery darts. When the darts are shooting and all of us put our sword up. Raise your hands up like this. All of us put the shield up. The protection that happens. Would we not block the work of satanic attacks against us? Put your arms back down and listen to this verse. This is really important. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, right there, stop. Go backwards 
Those of you that can step backwards one step, step backwards one, two, three, all together, one step. Go backwards one more step again. Now listen, two verses, we went backwards two verses. And when I say one verse, you're going to take one step forward. I want you to sense the unity here. Do you, do you have that sense of being all together as one? Can you feel what it's like to have others hold you up by the arm and say, you're not going to drop. You're not going to go down. I'm not going to let you fall, fail God. I'm not going to let you backslide. I'm not going to lose your faith. I'm not going to be. You're going to make it no matter what happens. I'm going to hold you up. Verse 39 of Hebrews 11. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. You mean Abraham died without the nation being born? All he had was a seed. Yes, he did. The reality is, yes, he did. He didn't see his seed as the sand. He, he, he never saw it. He just heard about it. Abraham today is watching sands and other lives that he didn't yet see with his physical eyes. All these died having not received. The only thing they received was the promise. And here's my last verse for you. God, verse 40, God having provided some better thing that they without us were not made perfect. You mean you're that important? Yeah. Yeah. You're that important. You're that necessary in the kingdom. You matter. Your life counts. Your ministry counts. Your unity counts. Who you are, your giftings, talents, all of it matters. Because they, without If we're living in the end, how important are you? How incredibly critical is your faith to be fulfilled in what the promise was that was given in the past? Fear not, Jesus said, I have already overcome. I'll take two steps forward. The beauty of the unity is we will fulfill what the very first soul found way back there in time when it runs all the way through time. What a marvelous thing it is to God himself to see the fulfillment and what a joy it is to Abraham to see, to Joseph to see, to Isaiah to see. How important you are in the kingdom. How imperative it is that you overcome. How much you are needed to work and move and have your being and accomplish the great commission. Mature Christians move forward into commission. Would you close your eyes? I feel you, Jesus, so strong. Speak to your people. Speak to them. You do it, Lord.
spoke to me 2007 March the 18th I speak it to you Generations Church it's a word from the Father he said to me upon the forward paths of life we travel you and I be at peace I'm walking on the storm to show myself strong on your behalf be that which the word speaks of those who cast their cares find peace those who let the battle be mine find relief and those who wait on me shall never be put to scorn. I who allow all things to be so in your life will find the moments of victory and bring them to you, allowing the haste and waste of man to lose while my own gain. Focused thoughts and still minds require discipline. I am watching the movements of all and send you upon the vessels of honor to receive that which causes fulfillment to rise and bring you from this place of constant trouble. I too watch the hours that be and want to remove you to that safe place within. Take care of your hearts and be not troubled. I have already been to this place before you have arrived here. And I tell you, when the day of completion comes, your focused thoughts will cause your feet to rise with purpose and travel on the strength of it. I, too, want this place of one to be removed from your life. My brothers and my sisters, where we live in time in this moment, don't ever take your eyes off the goal, which is post-time. When all things are done, when the Father anxiously awaits us, come on, do your job. I'm waiting on you. I, I got that place ready for you now. I can't wait till you get here with me. Come on, be faithful to the end. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't, don't lose hope. It's about to end. I'm about to come. Will I find you when I come? Will you be waiting on me? Will you be looking for me? I too want this place of want removed. He's more anxious to get you home than you are to get there. He's so hungry for your fellowship, he comes to our level, but he really wants to take us to his. Be faithful to the end. Step into your calling and your commission. Develop warring peace and stand together and above all, love. Above all, love. Would you just begin to pray for the person whose arms you now hold? Pray over them like you pray over yourself. Pray for their needs like you pray for yours. Lord, help her to do good tomorrow. Help her to stand strong. Help him, Jesus, to get the promotion he needs. Help him, Jesus, to not be afraid to speak up for you. Help him, Lord, in his health and his body. Healing, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for raising us up. Bless her today. Bless him today. Help him, God, to be all you want him to be. Help him to find the great commission you have for their life and to do it, Lord. To do it, Lord. To do it, Lord. Do it, Lord, in their lives. Strengthen them, Lord. Call them, Lord. Anoint them. Ordain them. In Jesus' name, manifest to them. I thank you for it, Lord. Jesus. Hallelujah. He has already overcome. Here. Don't 
don't just wait till church to pray for one another, but call each other. Hey, can I pray with you about something? If someone approaches you, don't be all prideful and say, no, I got this. Or can I come pray for you? No, I'm too sick for you to pray for me. Don't do that. Let the body function, receive, and give. Amen? Let's do it. You hear about somebody in the hospital? Go to see them. Don't don't think, oh, the church will do that. No, we are the church. You are the church. Amen. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May almighty God lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. May the good Lord take a liking to you. Go get him, tigers. God bless you.